give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 351 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. 351 of these puppies in the book. Pretty impressive if you ask me. In any event, we are here with a special episode today to talk to an incoming Duke recruit, a, a, a really big deal recruit. This kid's ranked in everybody's top 10, and um, he, was, uh, he was a trendsetter. This is John Shire's first official recruit as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. But before we get to him, we have to do introductions for us. As usual, you should know by now, I'm your host this week. My name is Jason Evans, coming to you from Hotlanta, where the weather is slowly turning cold and where my where my Braves are up one nothing on the Houston Astros in the World Series. So very excited about that, but not as excited as I am about Duke basketball. Joining me, as always, Donald Wine and Sam Klein, coming to you from their home bases in Washington and Boston. Guys, say hi very quickly. Donald, you go first. Hi, very quickly. You, you keep you, you follow the instructions beautifully, my friend. Sam, your turn. I'm going to take slightly longer because uh, if folks are watching the weather reports, I'm I'm in the middle of the nor'easter right now uh, up in Boston, and uh, I'm still alive. But the the dog is very upset at the wind uh, today because uh, it is preventing him from going on longer walks. Oh, poor little guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so enough about the weather. Time for us to get to our interview this week. Um, we are joined by none other than Kyle Filipowski. Uh, Kyle is a recruit. Um, like I said, he is the very first recruit that John Shire landed, I guess, spearheaded what has turned into what many people say is the, the best class in the country from a guy who has not been um, a full-time head coach yet at all. But Kyle, thanks for joining us here on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me. So um, Sam and I have the bulk of the questions. I'm going to let him go first. We want to start by talking to you a little bit about your game and how you fit into Duke's future. So Sam, take it away. Yeah, Kyle, I, I think... Uh, Duke fans are, I think, most curious about what is what they're going to see from you on the court next year. So can we start with just a little bit of your own scouting report on your game? And and, and I will say before you start that uh, we had Andy Borman on a couple months ago to also talk about you. So anything that you say is going to have to be corroborated uh, with with the interview that we did with him back in August. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I'll try to uh, line that up pretty, pretty uh, smoothly then. But um, so, I mean, just just, just uh, a little bit about my game and, and what I can do. Uh, I'm I mean, I'm, I'm nearing seven feet right now and, and people just really see me as a 
average big man, uh, back to the basket type of guy. But but uh, no, no one really knows all the abilities I have, which which consists of shooting the three, getting the, the um, getting the rebound off the board, and leading a break. Um, I think something that's also very undervalued of mine is my IQ and passing ability, um, along with just handling the ball around the perimeter, guarding positions one through five. I can really uh, be that like stretch big type of player um, and, and do whatever the coach asked me to do. So I think that's uh, one thing I'm going to surprise Duke fans next year. And how do you, as a big man, this is something that I wonder about a lot because I think early in the season when Duke or any of the any of the top teams are are kind of playing some of the easier teams on their schedule. I think it's easy for the easier for some of the big men to stand out just because they happen to be bigger than other people. Um, so assuming that that's the case with a lot of the games that you're maybe playing in, where you're often the largest guy and perhaps by a significant margin, how do you develop some of these skills that would be considered more like guard or, or perimeter type skills? Yeah. So I mean, I think uh, I think just growing up. Um, I, I, I grew at an average of three inches every year. Um, so I, I wasn't always, I didn't have one big growth spurt. Um, I think it, a, a large part of it had to do with just playing with my twin brother growing up because he's, he's, uh, he, he really was the one that played center. He's seven foot one. So that really gave me the opportunity to be more of a guard style type of play, uh, open up to that. And I really just stuck with that growing up and not letting my, my height get in the way of that. And, and I knew that that was going to make me uh, the special type of player I am. Thinking about some of the other guys that are going to be on the roster with you next year at Duke, be they guys who are in your class or, or some of the upperclassmen who are already there, who are you excited to play alongside and, and, and whose game do you think you fit with the best? Yeah. So I, I think uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, excited to just learn from guys like Joey Baker. If he stays uh, uh, for his fifth senior year, um, and, and depending on who else stays, just just learning from them and and knowing that they have that experience of, of how to play in the ACC, playing the the March Madness tournament. That's something that'll be key for me to learn and get comfortable with. But uh, but I mean, I think Coach Harris put together a, a really well uh, class for the 2022, um, and everyone fits the pieces perfectly. Um, what about? What about specifically, uh, specifically thinking about Derek Lively, who's also a seven footer? Um, how do you how do you see your game uh, working alongside of him? Right, right. I, I think I think without a doubt we will be considered one of the best front courts in the country, definitely by March Madness uh, latest. I say I don't want to put no timetable on it, but I think we have that potential uh, without a doubt. I, I think um, people just see me and Derek as the same type of player, but we both. Um, can provide a lot more than what people think, and I and I and I know that will shock the the world without a doubt. And who are some of the other guys? On I, I know you were the first to commit, but who are some of the other players that you have been instrumental? Who, who would you like to take credit for? I guess uh, who is in your recruiting class, and and who's left that you're still working on? <laughs> um, I, I know I was. Uh, I mean, I, I was talking with with Derek, um, uh, Jaden, and Derek all before they committed. I'm, I'm not saying I'm taking the credit for all of them. Uh, I, I know that I, I could have played a, a, a role in helping a couple of them get here, knowing uh, uh, Jaden and, and, and uh, Derek, particularly just knowing 
telling them how special it could be with all of us playing together. Uh, so. All right, fine. Don't, uh, don't toot your own horn about it. We'll, uh, we'll just, we'll just have to put the pieces together ourselves. I'll, I'll toss it back to Jason. I think he's got uh, a few more questions on your recruiting process. Yeah. So Kyle, um, you know, in the late spring, of this past year, you were getting offers from really great schools. I mean, you were visiting places like Indiana, Syracuse, Ohio State, you know, excellent programs. But then suddenly it kind of blew up for you. I mean, as the summer moved around, the big boys really came calling. And in the span of a a week and a half, two weeks, you know, you got offers from Michigan, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. Um, Take us through the process and what that was like. Did, did Did it feel to you like something had changed when when the real blue blood started calling? Uh, I, I don't think so at all. Um, I, I kind of knew with the way I was heading that this was bound to happen in due time. Uh, I knew to just keep a straight head on. Uh, I know I had my, my parents and coaches telling me that, that uh, don't, don't really let this come as a surprise to you. Um, but, but nearing the, that time, it kind of did all blow up in the span of two, two, three weeks. And it all happened really quickly. So I had a lot of thinking to do and, about my recruitment, where I was in the process, um, things like that. So, yeah. I, I think that because of Andy Borman, you know, being your AAU coach, um, I think people sort of assumed that that you were a, a lock for Duke. Can you take us through the decision-making process? You know, how did you weigh all these different programs and your opportunities at each one of them? Right, right, yeah. So, I mean – uh, I don't think, I mean, Andy, uh, Coach Andy did nothing to, to persuade me or convince me that, that Duke was the place. Uh, he didn't really have a, a role in that, uh, nor, nor do I think he's allowed to. Um, but, but, I mean, just, just nearing that time, uh, weighing out my options after taking the visits, I think the visits were key for me. Uh, and once I took that Duke one, I, I kind of just thought um, – just no, no one could really beat them out at that point any longer, even if I were to take visits to some other schools like Kentucky or uh, Michigan. So. Uh, so talk about your relationship then with John Shire. I mean, what sold you on this guy who has never been a head coach before? Um, I, I, take us through your visit and, 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 you know, how you connected with him. Right. Right. I think, uh, I mean, me and coach Shire and myself have a very good, uh, relationship. I know since day one, we've been on the same level. Our, our vision, visions for uh, myself and, and Duke basketball in the next upcoming years, uh, they, they all have high expectations. And I mean, it, it just felt like when Coach Chire was speaking to me, he was just reading my mind. That's how much on the same uh, wavelength we were on. But during, during my visit, I think most guys, they, they try to point out differences or, or what they feel is different about that school compared to others. But when I went on my Duke visit, it just felt, it didn't really feel different. It just felt like that's where I belonged. It, it felt normal. Um, and, and I mean, that's, that's really the only place I got that feeling from it. And ever since then, I knew that that was where I wanted to go. Uh, you know, um, I know that name, image, and likeness are, are, you know, have become sort of overnight a really, really big deal for for recruits and for college basketball in general um did you have you know not saying from duke but just from programs in general was there a lot of focus on people talking to you about you know here here are the kind of opportunities you're going to get you know here's how it has changed and uh, you know was were there any you know not coaches of course but 
people connected to programs like whispering to you guys about amounts of money and things like that? How, how has it changed in the past year because of the new name, image, and likeness, Wild Wild West? Right, right. So, I mean, I, there there were obviously discussions going on about the name, image, likeness. Um, no, no school really knew for sure what it was going to consist of in the upcoming years. Um, they re- All really they had planned was how they're going to prepare their players to get ready for it. They didn't really have any certain amounts of money involved or anything like that. They were just starting uh, um, focusing on trying to get their players ready for when the time came that they could take advantage of the opportunity. Um, so it didn't really play a, a big part in my um, recruitment because I really I, I knew at the level I'm at, wherever I was to bound to go to college, that I, I'd be uh, taking advantage of the NIL in some sort of way. Um, but but yeah, I wouldn't say there was really any specific talks about um, how much money you'd be making. Al, earlier you mentioned uh, wanting to work and, and play alongside some of the guys like you know Joy Baker or whoever from this current Duke team sticks around for next year. But we're talking about recruiting and you're part of, you know, one of the best recruiting classes, the best recruiting class in the country. How do you feel like you're going to play with them, particularly Derek Lively? You both are very tall. You both can, can occupy a lot of space in the paint or outside. So do you think that you're going to play well together or is this something where you feel like you guys will alternate as kind of a one-two punch? No, I, I think without a doubt we'll play amazing together. Um that was kind of my my spiel to him too when I was trying to recruit him to come to Duke. Um, and it's not it's not like one of us is going to be playing while the other one's sitting on the bench. We're going to be playing alongside one another. We're going to be having the best high low game in the country. We'll be um, uh, either one of us could be around the perimeter the inside. I mean, I kind of see it like uh, like a Marvin Bagley Wendell Carter type of um, um, connection. I think just I, I think um, not not the uh, downgrade on on their game, but I think just a little bit more versatile than what they did at Duke. Um, so I, I know without a doubt that, that that's going to be something uh, Duke hasn't seen in a long time. And what are you looking to get out of your development at Duke? Do you feel like you're a one-and-done player? Is that something that's in your mindset? Or do you think this is something where you feel like you're going to take it step-by-step and you know stay a couple of years and, and, and develop into the player that you want to be? Right, right. I think, uh, I mean, obviously I got to see what every year brings me, but my my, uh, my focus growing up has always been winning the national championship and uh, just doing that for Duke and, and having the ability to win more than one. That's just something that really speaks to me. Enjoying my time at Duke, getting that education are other uh, important values to me. Um, so, I mean, that right, right now I don't want to uh, guarantee anything, but that's kind of where my head's at. Um, obviously things can change depending on, what happens throughout the year, but but now that I I love to I love to stick around at Duke for some time and and uh, be one of the names known when you hear the the name Duke for sure. I love that answer. Can I just Donald? You can continue. I just want to say I love that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, it brings me to the next question: of Who do you model your game after? Who do you look on when someone turns on the TV and they want to know who, who Kyle Filipowski plays like? Who can we, you know, expect to see and or, or who do you emulate or, or take take stuff from uh, to model your game after? Right, right. I think uh, without a doubt, I I've been um, watching a lot of Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis, along with some Luka Doncic. Um, I mean, just with KD, how he gets the, the, the rebound off the glass and 
takes it uh, up the court, coach to coach, or, or starts to break something like that. That's something I know uh, with, with just the length we both have and, and the ability to shoot over defenders. That's something I've been working on with my game where Anthony Davis has been uh, becoming more like that with getting the rebound, pushing the break, um, just playing around the perimeter more, having that three and being able to go inside as well. And then along with uh, a little bit of Luca with his European style, just how he sees the court, he reads the, the defenders and how he just reacts to the, what the defense given him where he can make the, the smart play. So Kyle, we're about to wrap it up, but I wanted to ask you about one more thing. I got more of a chance than usual to see your game because you played in the three X three, the three on three um, under 18 world championships this summer in Hungary. Uh, and I watched all those games. It was, I, I was surprised. I thought at first it wasn't going to be that interesting, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, you got to play with some really great players. Keontae George is like a top five recruit. I mean, Eric Daly and Grady Dick, uh, you know, Grady Dick's going to Kansas. Um, so really great teammates there for you. And by the way, congratulations on winning that gold medal. Really exciting. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, you're unusual for a three-on-three player because of your size. Most, most three-on-three players tend to be, you know, sort of mid-sized guys who can, they can go in the post, but they're, they're mostly operating on the perimeter. Um, was it, was that difficult for you? I mean, when I was watching the games, you were clearly standing out as the biggest guy on the floor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a, a challenge for me at all. I think because of the style I play, I fit perfectly into the, the three-on-three style. Um, just being kind of that big guard in a sense. So I didn't have issues guarding a guy smaller than me around the perimeter. So so I, I know my my teammates didn't really have to worry about being in health defense all the time with me because I could hold my own guard in those positions. Um, and I know also that that just with my ability to play around the perimeter, shoot the three, have that as a, a threat, uh, be able to handle the ball, attack the rim, I, I can do all of that along with just posting up and taking advantage of of the mismatch. And and you were the second leading scorer on that team, but I, I don't recall you taking a lot of threes. Do you think, I know you, you're, everyone says you're capable of being a three-point shooter. Uh, do you feel like you focus more on the inside or are you going to, uh, you know, especially at Duke, are you going to be drifting outside some? Right, right. I don't think uh, the the three-on-three, that three-on-three tournament was a, a perfect uh, uh, example of, of how I play my game, especially since we were playing outside the whole time and, and you know, how weather could affect your your jump shot. And I knew that if I just had the, the advantage with the mid-range and, and uh, close-range uh, game, then I'd take advantage of that. But, but at Duke, you can expect uh, all three levels of, of um, playing for me. I, can, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to be taking advantage of the mismatches given inside or even outside if I got a, guy, a, a bigger guy drawn out to me. So I'm going to be doing whatever I can to uh, at my years at Duke, whether that be shooting the three, uh, attacking the paint or, or posting that. And and the last thing I want to ask about the three on three. So you guys were in Hungary. You weren't in Budapest. You were in a, like the second biggest city in, in Hungary. Any, any, what was it like, by the way, going, I, I'm sure you'd probably never been to Hungary before. Any, any good stories about the, the Hungary nightlife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that, that was my first time leaving the country and being in Europe. Uh, we didn't really get to go out and see much because we were trying to be safe and, and stay in a bubble. Um, so we wouldn't get disqualified if, if we got COVID. Um, but I mean, we, we were still able to see the nightlife a little bit and, and enjoy the atmosphere. And, uh, and I mean, it, it was just, uh, it was just cool to experience and, and get a different feel of, of other uh, cultures and, and how they uh, go about what, what their living is like. 
So, Kyle, three by uh, three by three, and you know, regular five on five basketball, similar, but has a little bit of differences. Did you like it? Is this something you know? Twenty twenty four is around the corner. Is this something that you want to pursue to try and make Olympic team, whether it be twenty twenty four or even in twenty twenty eight when it's here in LA? Correct, correct. Yeah, I mean, playing. Uh, I, I know. Um, I, I I have an opportunity to play for the U nineteen Junior National uh, Team USA this year, this upcoming year. So I'm going to get more of a feel for, I mean, obviously it's five on five, but playing for a USA five on five. Um, but I mean, either, either or having the opportunity to represent my country, play uh, three on three or five on five, it, it doesn't matter to me. I feel comfortable in either situation uh, and, and just being able to wear those uh, three letters across my chest. That's uh, that's something I definitely want to do in the Olympics uh, one day, either in 2024 or 2028, something like that. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Before you go, I want to ask you, have you heard anything about the current Duke team? I'm sure you're watching, you know, they're about to start their season fairly soon. Give us a little intel. What are you hearing from your sources about how this team's shaping up for this year? <laughs> I mean, I, all, all I'm going to say is just expect a big year out of the guys. I know they're, uh, they, they want to um, uh, have Coach K go out on a big bang. They want to do it for him, but they also want to do it for themselves too because I know they're coming off of a, of a uh, uh, less good uh, COVID year. So they, they still have something to prove for sure, without a doubt. Um, and I mean, I know that they're hungry, they're, they're, they're driven to, to go out and uh, on day one, just to show everyone what they're made of. Um, cause, cause I mean, they've stuff to prove still with, with this year. Um, so, I mean, I expect big things out of them. I don't think you should ever not expect big things out of them because they're just a great group of guys. They're all, uh, the chemistry is there. They all love being around one another. So it's going to be a lot of fun for them, I know. Okay, I love it, Kyle. That's a good answer. Kyle Filipowski, thanks again for joining us on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are uh, about to start the regular season, but we're really excited for next year when you and the rest of the great recruits are, are going to be coming in. Um, and we hope to talk to you soon, man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Appreciate it. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family friends co-workers even strangers even when stress has you a little bit down and for some getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about that's what better help is all about it's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient flexible and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit betterhelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Duke Roundup.
So welcome back again. Our thanks to Kyle Filipowski for joining us here on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Some great insight there. A lot of interesting, fun stuff. Sam, I'll go to you first. Uh, what was your favorite takeaway? What would you like best about chatting with Kyle Filipowski? Uh, he, he overall seems like a great dude. Uh, exactly the kind of person that Andy Borman previewed for us. And uh, I appreciated how humble he was about not being instrumental in getting the other recruits on board because <laughs> Uh, clearly, if you just look at the you look at the results here, uh, he's had some kind of effect because he was the first in a very quick wave of John Shire getting all of these commitments. So uh, it seems like he's going to be he's going to be sort of instrumental to that. And he also backed up another thing that Andy Borman had had told us about him, which is that he wants to stick around and he wants to develop and he wants to win a championship. All that stuff is hopefully ahead for him. And and he reaffirmed it. Now, how much can we believe any of that? Uh, from, you know, from someone who's, who's this young and impressionable and, and he's going to show up on campus next year. And if there are enough, you know, coast to coast thunder dunks, uh, he's gone, but you know, if, if that doesn't happen, or if he decides that, that he does want to stick around, uh, it sounds like he's got the right mindset for that. Yeah. He's at least considering it. I really like the fact that he said he wants to, to build a legacy and he wants when people, you know, think of Duke basketball, that they think of him. Um, you know, among many, many, many other names. Uh, and I also, I loved Donald. I loved it when you asked the question about him and Derek Lively and he said, well, you know, kind of like Wendell Carter and, uh, and Marvin Bagley. I'll take that. Right. Donald. I will take that all the time. Right. And, <laughs> and I liked his answer, just not that, but also just how he models his game, who he's been studying. You know, you talk about Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Luka Doncic. Those are three really good players, but also, each of them have their own little thing that you can take from and kind of model a game after. So that's really good for him to do that. And also, Jason, I really love that you switched to the 3B, 3x3 or 3x3, whatever they want to call it, because, as I said, that's a little different than regular five-on-five basketball. You can't just have some dude 7'6", you know, 300 pounds, come in and dominate in 3x3. Three, three three. So for him to be doing that, that shows a lot of versatility to me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing – how what he learns from that and translates to the court on the five v five level and the college level. Yeah, and and related to that, I love the fact that he he's uh, to me it's very clear this guy does not consider himself a post player. He's seven feet tall and he thinks of himself as as more like a guard. Um, you know, he talked about his ball handling, talked about his court vision and his intelligence, talked about his ability to go outside and and, and shoot the three. This is not someone who's going to be in the post. Um, and, and doesn't want to be, and, and his skill set doesn't fit that. And that's, that's really exciting because that's, that's the way basketball is, is growing and maturing and changing. And when you have a guy who has the size to be around the basket, but the skills to be on the perimeter, um, th- those players are special. And, and it looks like we got one in Kyle Filipowski, so it's really great. Before we go, one more quick thing we wanted to touch on. Uh, we spoke the other day about Duke's secret scrimmage that was not at all secret against Villanova and the footage that we got from Duke. Um, but Villanova also released their own highlight package. Sam, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about what Villanova showed from their scrimmage against Duke. Well, and we said that that we wish that this footage had been out when we first recorded because I would like to see the flip side of all the Duke highlights, which is now I've gotten, I think it's about 45 seconds of Villanova highlights and uh, folks, I am sorry to report that the defense is not up to the same speed as the offense because Duke <laughs> apparently is just giving up easy shot, easy open shots all over the court 
so far. No, to to be to be totally fair about it, I can absolutely understand where uh, a lot of the, these Duke players, especially a team that is so going to be so reliant on freshmen and sophomores, uh, is is taking a bit more time to to come together on defense. I'm not worried about it, but it was it was interesting to see, and I encourage Duke fans if you want to, you know, get a a, a bit more sober look at the team. Go watch the Villanova highlights and see where the see where the defensive breakdowns are happening. Um, and 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 you know you don't have to you don't have to freak out about it, but uh, it's uh, it, it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, you know, I actually thought in the uh, first of all, full credit to Villanova. There are a couple times they they showed some great ball movement um, to to get open shots, but in a lot of the videos, especially of the Villanova guys sort of driving to the basket and such, the Duke players aren't just playing Matador defense. Uh, I actually thought the defense... No, they're bodying them up. Yeah, I thought the defense looked fairly good at times and 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 showed me that, uh, you know, of course, look, I didn't expect Duke to beat Villanova 80 to nothing. <laughs> so Nova's going to score some. And and so, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even moderately concerned that Villanova put out, you know, this video because, again, I, I thought Duke's defense, especially at times... Looked pretty solid in those videos. I also think, you know, some people on the boards have pointed this out. It, it looked like both teams were trying. There, there was not a lot of, you know, this could be a dangerous play. Like I'm jumping in, trying to block shots and stuff where someone could get hurt. That The two teams were cognizant that they needed to not get injured <laughs> in this untelevised, um, you know, uh, barely sanctioned scrimmage, so to speak. Yeah, and, and honestly, first of all, shout out to Regina Lee. She's the one that uh, put this into the, the airspace of myself and Sam on Twitter. So we appreciate her bringing that. But also, I look at this, guys, to, to kind of bring the reality to this, right? This video highlight package is about, what, 55 seconds? Ours is four and a half minutes. It means we're at least four times better than Villanova on the day. That's what that sounds like to me. There you go. I, I am not I'm not going to fight with that. I think that's absolutely accurate. So that's going to do it for us here on episode 351 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, thanks to Kyle Filipowski for joining us and letting us chat with him a little bit about the future of the Duke Blue Devils. Speaking of the future, we got an exhibition coming up this weekend. We're going to be bringing you a preview of our exhibition opponent um, very, very, very soon. And then like a week later, guys, we're like less than two weeks from the start of the college basketball season, it will be here. It will be upon us. Kentucky and Duke at 9.30 p.m. It's going to be a huge, huge deal. We here at the Duke Basketball Report podcast are going to bring you all the coverage before, after, during, you name it. We got it. So for Donald and Sam, I am Jason. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you write to us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Like and subscribe. If you don't subscribe, you may miss an episode. Like we're going to be doing the preview episode for the exhibition coming up really soon. If you're not subscribed, you might miss it. Or worse than that, you might miss this episode. Although if you're listening to me now, how could you miss the episode? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm even saying at this point. But like and subscribe because that's the only way that you can really connect with us. Or, well, that and email. Anyway, I'm Jason. They're Donald and Sam. They're looking at me funny because I'm totally not. Jason, are you okay? Thing. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> I'm riffing and I don't know where I'm going, man. <laughs> he's, he's riffing, he's riffing on the outro. We do this. We do this every time. Yeah, I know. I don't, I, I don't know what happened to me. It's just, it's just not happening, but, <laughs> but I got to end it somehow. So Duke fan, play us out. Take us home. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at you very, very soon. Adios.
on and on and on. Ah, <laughs> uh, I realized that I wanted to get the whole like and subscribe thing, and then as I'm talking, it's like I don't know. It just, it just keep, keeps on happening. Just keeps just going. Doesn't never <laughs> stop. Just flow it. Never stops. That's all right. Uh,